Welcome back, everyone. Hey, I love you guys. I've missed you. Hope you're all out there staying safe. It is March 16th, 2020. My name is Sean Oshadi, and this is the Man and the Myth podcast here on The Athletic. Thank you guys so much for joining us here today. I'm, of course, with my guy. He's the man in the hat. He's the legend. He's the goat. He is my East Coast spirit animal. He's the best writer in the game, and he is the myth and the Man in the Myth podcast. He's Chuck Mendenhall. And obviously, Chuck, there's a lot going on in the world today. The past five days have been unbelievably, unprecedentedly bizarre. How are you doing, man? How are you holding up out there? Everything's good, man. You know, it's it is very different. It's very different, right? I mean, these are these are different times. Um, we keep hearing that word unprecedented, and I feel like this is one of those times where it really means something. Like, you know, we hear sometimes yes. people use that word, but I mean, honestly, there, there's nothing to compare this to that I've ever been through, um, and I know that that's most people's experience. So. This is just one of those uh, those situations where you uh, you just kind of do what you're being told, which is to kind of stay in and uh, and it, you just keep looking for updates as to what's going on out there. But uh, all good here, man. Really, I feel like our town where I'm at hasn't really been uh, too affected just yet, but uh, lots of preparation, I'm sure, just like where you're at. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a, it's all a little weird right now, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's only been five days since we were all. Chris included, all sort of in this space right here. Yeah. Can you believe that? Five days since we were all here just sort of breaking down fights like everything was normal. It feels like five months, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's rapid and it's slow. It's weird it, the way it feels just depending on when you think about it. Like, it's happening at a rate that outpaces the logical mind to fully, like, digest or accept. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, you're kind of like you feel like you're living in it in real time, and you're 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 having to be um, dealing in it in real time. So it's just it's just a very bizarre setup. And I gotta say, the weirdest part, and it's like as a sports writer, is that our little nook continues to function while everything <laughs> else shuts down. Isn't that the weirdest part about this? I mean, you feel like you should be part of that general kind of like, okay, resignation to, okay, we dig in. Now we're doing stories on whatever uh, th- this means going forward during this time away. And instead, we're we're trying to figure out how the UFC is going to plow ahead. This is just, uh, it's, it's doubly mind-boggling that we're yeah. dealing in that. Well, obviously, UFC Brasilia, you're right, took place this past weekend. We're going to do a lot on that on today's show. But we're also going to sort of just talk about how this is the the world right now and sort of where we are as an MMA community. Because, man, that that period, I think, from our last show on Wednesday, that 72-hour period from Wednesday to Friday last week felt like it could be, I don't even, like a 10-part Netflix series could be made about that, <laughs> that three-day span, right? Like, yeah. we taped this show on Wednesday afternoon, and then Wednesday night, all the dominoes start falling. Wednesday night, it comes out about the Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson. They both have this coronavirus. Yep. Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert Center, he has it. And then... That set up everything. And then, yeah, that was everything. Then the NBA shuts down. Rest of the sports world shuts down. And now bits and pieces of the actual world have actually started shutting down. Places Crazy. like Los Angeles, New York, yep. where they're closing bars, restaurants, etc. Chicago, yep. Huge chunks of the world right now just locked down in a self-quarantine. And I know, like all three of us, we work from home, so I, I've been right. practicing self quarantining for for ten years at this point, <laughs> That's my friend. True. Yes, but we've all learned the phrase social distancing. Like it's all super surreal. I mean, just these last five days, have you ever even experienced anything like this? Like none of us have. But like, how would you even no. describe these last five days? <sighs> totally surreal. I mean, 
I think that, you know, and it's not exaggeration. Like sometimes you say things and you, it sounds funny, but that's not, that's not an exaggeration. It's just in real time, like watching things shut down. Like if you're on Twitter and things like that, and you're seeing, um, you know, the juxtaposition of O'Hare being overcrowded and then, you know, the next breath, you know, they're, they're shutting down the bars and everything there. It's just like to see no these kidding. things and to the point where there's almost a, uh, an ex- expectation or I don't want to say an immunity towards it. Like you, you still see it and are a little bit shocked each time, but it's like to watch all this stuff kind of happen um, in real time and just in succession with each other and like dominoes falling. It's, it's, it's bizarre, man. I mean, it, it, it's surreal is what it feels like to me. Um, but just like everybody, man, I mean, it's like you find out, I guess, a little bit about yourself during times like this and you try to dig in and do what's best. You know what I mean? And, uh, so far that I feel like that's kind of where I'm at, but like you mentioned five days and it feels like, you you know, it feels like this has been going on forever, but at the same time, we don't even know how long, you know, this might go on, like how long, what what this means. We're kind of just entering the unknown at this point. That's the weird thing, right? The indefiniteness of this. Because we're hearing, what, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, maybe yeah, not until July, June, yep. when things are, are back to normal, maybe even longer. Like, no one has any idea what's going on. And, and me and you and Chris, none of us are experts. And so we're not going to act like we're experts and just preach <laughs> yeah. up here. It's just strange. I mean, you have even Las Vegas. Basically, all of Las Vegas has shut down. Like, the entire strip, more Casinos, or less, has shut down. All, yeah. the, all the MGM properties, everything. Yep. What gets me, though, is that we say we're not experts, which we are not. And we can acknowledge that. And we're saying it right here. But it's, it amazes me how many people are experts on Twitter. Oh, like, whenever very you say suddenly, something. Very suddenly, very, a lot of people are, are it's like scientists either, it's, and pandemic yeah. experts. It's either um, hysteria or it's like, uh, you know, it's like... Um, or it's the total opposite. It's the, yeah, this is the not a big opposite. deal, that sort of thing. Exactly. Well, I think it's, I mean, at that point, I mean, it, it, it. how could you look at what's going on right now and say it's hysteria? Like, I don't think it's, maybe people are are taking it, uh, their, their, their anxiety level is higher than you'd like it to be or whatever, yeah. but rightfully so. A lot of people are, are certainly anxious about this. It's not hysteria. I mean, clearly it's yeah. a real thing that is uh, happening yeah, and there are real consequences. Like, you know, that that's not the right way to couch it at this point. 100%. When did this start feeling like a, when did this start feeling real for you guys? Because <laughs> for me, it was Wednesday. It was last Wednesday. Yeah. Right after the NBA, Tom Hanks, all of that sort of thing. That's when the dominoes started falling. Yeah. I think that was when it started to hit me that like, oh, like things aren't going to be normal for a while. What about you guys? When something like that, like so the NBA says it's suspending its season indefinitely or whatever the wording was that came up on that Rudy Gobert thing, it it's a colossal economic hit, right? Like you're looking mm-hmm. at that and you're thinking, oh, my God, that's like how could you how could they come to that like so quickly, all that? And then, you know, as each thing falls, I think that it becomes real at that moment. But each thing that has happened is kind of enhanced um, just how crazy it is because we don't even know, man. It is the economic impact, you know, in general for everything shutting down and from the biggest to the smallest things around, I mean, small businesses, everything. It's just, we don't even know. We, we haven't scratched the surface yet of what it means, but it felt real when the NBA that is just, and, and the NCAA tournament, I would say that that's the other one when that, when yeah, that came down. Madness, yeah. yeah. It was just like, okay, this is just, it takes a minute, man. You have to wrap your mind around that. And I'm, I don't even think you can because there's just too much going on at once. You can't wrap your mind around any one particular detail. It's just all part of the whole. But uh, it felt very real, I think, when I saw the NBA. I think that that was it, man. Same for you, Chris? 
Yeah, totally agree. Well, I was on Twitter, you know, everybody's on Twitter and, and, you know, looking at different news as it's coming out. And I was scrolling through Twitter and obviously, you know, you're paying attention to it. And then I just saw breaking, you know, NBA season suspended. And, and when that happens, you're like, well, that's the first giant domino. Like yes. if yeah. the NBA decided not to play, like everybody else is going to stop playing and, and exactly. it's going to be, you know, and, and it's exactly what we're seeing. So, yeah, for sure. For me, I think there were two levels of it, right? One of them was that. One of them was the Wednesday when all the NBA happened. And then, it, like, I even Wednesday night, I was supposed to go to the gym. I ended up going to the gym. But, like, I had very – at that point, I'm starting to think, like, should I really be going to the gym? Like, is this actually a thing that I should stop doing at this point? But then I sort of had a different version of it on Saturday where, like, you guys have seen all the, the photos and, and videos of people in stores clearing out toilet paper and whatever. By Saturday – we, my wife and I, we kind of came to the realization like this is going to be a thing for a while and also the way that the world is treating this right now and maybe in particular the United States, we probably should go buy some food right now because there <laughs> yeah. might not be food available the way people are treating this like it's a zombie outbreak in the end of the world. We, go, we went to the store on Saturday just to stock up on essentials, you know, eggs and bread and meat and whatever. Whole store was completely cleaned out. It was nothing. <laughs> Crazy. At that point, when you see that, I've never seen that in my entire life. Like, this is just no. unprecedented on a level. Like, we keep saying the word unprecedented, but it's just surreal and unprecedented on a level that I think none of us were even ready for. When we're sitting here last Wednesday t- joking about whether Khabib Tony might get canceled and things like that. <laughs> the whole thing is strange. Um, yeah. Let's try it as, as best we can to, to transition into some fights because, you know, we, we've heard, seen the tweets from you guys. We, we appreciate the support. Uh, we hear you. We're definitely going to keep recording shows over these next two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, however long this ends up being. We're going to keep going. We're The show goes on. So we ask for your help because this is a partnership with you guys, the, this partnership that we have with the Man in the Myth audience. We love all of you guys. We're all going to have a lot of time on our hands, it seems, if we're doing this properly and we're self-quarantining and, 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 and self-quarantining and social isolation, that sort of thing. What are you guys want, going to want to see? Because it seems like there's probably not going to be fights after a certain point. We're going to have to figure out when, and we're going to keep track of all of that, obviously. But you guys let us know what you want to see. We have some ideas we're already cooking up, but we're going to have a lot of time. So you just let us know if there's anything in particular you yeah. want to see. If you like the fight flashbacks, if you like more mailbags, whatever you guys want to see, let us know, and we'll definitely value and welcome your feedback. Uh, but in the meantime, here's what we're going to do today. I know a lot of you guys out there... Um, are probably a little nervous. I know a lot of you guys out there may be a little scared. As we said, there's probably people, those of you out there who think this isn't that big of a deal and that this whole thing is overblown. I would say to those people that you should maybe do a little more research and listen to some experts if that's where your mind's at right now. Uh, But either way, it's okay to not really know how to feel. There's a lot of people out there who are going to be looking for distractions and maybe you're one of them. So we're going to talk about fights. With the rest of the sports world quarantined, in total global shutdown, the UFC continued as business as usual, as we almost expected they would do. So we're going to talk about UFC Brasilia because the athletes deserve it. And then later on, maybe we'll figure out a path forward together because we're all in this together now more than ever. So Chuck. Yes, sir. UFC Brasilia. It happened. It did. Somehow. <laughs> for some reason, it happened. Yeah. Uh, after a million false starts and stops and about a thousand times last week when it felt like this show was going to fall apart... The UFC instead becomes the only show in town. They end up holding this event, empty arena in Brasilia, no fans, only essential personnel, which, uh, by the way, somehow included the Octagon girls. Yes. At, at some point, we should probably like figure oh, so out. Oh, that's the- not essential now? Come on. 
we should probably have a discussion about what the phrase essential personnel means, but that's neither here nor there. But they're on ESPN. The whole sports world is watching because they're really, again, they're the only thing going. The whole situation was unlike anything I've ever really seen before. What did you make of this event? And do you feel like it was right or wrong for the UFC to hold it, I guess? Well, first of all, the Octagon Girls, that I have to say that that was a surprising element of this whole thing, right? Because <laughs> who are they informing of the rounds, you know what I mean? Just the empty seats in the in the arena. Very, very weird. Um, it was, I mean, everybody was kind of comparing it to the tough, you know, like the tough fights that are, you can <clears throat> basically hear people shuffling around. You can hear the takedowns, you can hear the corner instruction, all that stuff. It, it was kind of like that, but it, it just had a feel because we're watching it on ESPN. We're not in the arena. It had the feel of something so different because of the ticker at the bottom updating you the whole time about all the, you know, all the all the reaches of the pandemic, who's coming down with it, what what leagues are doing and everything, and yet you're watching these fights. It felt like it was in the face basically of, you know, basically the uh the crisis at hand. <laughs> Not so much. And it was like you're kind of grappling with the idea is is it escapism because I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, you want to watch sports to take your mind off of it. And I know even you said like it was kind of nice to for 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 a few hours to kind of just focus on something other than what's going on in the world. But it was weird because it had to play out in dual action, right? Like one one if you look down at the bottom, you're seeing the real world anyway. So I just found it to be the strangest uh, the strangest thing. But by the time the prelims, and, and this was a weird card because all of the first, I think, nine fights were all decisions. So they all played out. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, have to, you have to love that the one time that the entire world's paying attention to our exactly. sport, it's, it ties the record for the most consecutive decisions. To so bizarre. That. That's and the so most like, typical it, thing. Know, and after all of the prelims, essentially, you're like, you're pretty used to the, you know, the cathedral, like nothingness going on behind it. And you're only focusing on the fights. But it was just a, uh, it was a different experience, man. It felt extraneous. It felt like it was something that, uh, you know, didn't have to go on. I know a lot, of, a lot of people were actively saying like, how, you know, how could they do this? I guess I felt somewhat in the middle. If they were going Same. to try it, I felt like, you know, this would be the, this would be the weekend because this is when everything was shutting down. They were doing some precaution, obviously. Um, not having fans, only letting essential people and the Octagon Girls in there to basically, um, you know, to man the event. It felt like reckless, but it felt like if they're going to try to squeeze an extra one in, this was it. And of course, there was the open, well, we can, I guess we can get into that in a minute, but just Dana White coming on later was the, really the complication for me. Oh, you know, after the event. Yeah, after the event, going on Sports Center. but I'm sure you're going to get into yeah. that in a minute. Yeah, we'll circle back towards the, to that uh, towards the end of the show. I, I agree with you, though. I mean, the, watching it, I can't lie. Like, I really enjoyed the distraction for a while. And I think it was, it, in a way, it was a little bit strange to have to reconcile that because it was very apparent that, like, well, this shouldn't be happening. Like, just fundamentally, from a safety perspective, this shouldn't be happening. It's almost irresponsible that it is. But it, I did enjoy it, right? Like, it was a piece of normalcy in a, amongst a crazy stretch where we didn't get normalcy. Yeah. So that's a very strange thing to have to grapple with. I wonder if we're going to have to continue to grapple with it. It seems like, <laughs> as we said, we're going to talk about this later, but the UFC is hell-bent on continuing their schedule as best they can. But in the meantime, man, Charles Oliveira yeah. goes out there, and it's unfortunate that he does this in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> so that it gets overshadowed. Oh. Yes, But he goes out there and he gets a moment that he's been waiting for for a decade, really. I, I tweeted I tweeted this out on Wednesday or on Saturday, and I ended up writing a little bit about it too. But Charles Oliveira has to have one of the weirdest career trajectories that we have seen in the UFC. 
Because in truth, if you sit down and you think about it, there aren't like really many guys you can just point to and say, that's a, that's a good comparison. That's a proper comparison. Follow this thread with me here for just for a second. Go back to 2016. All right. It's 2016. All right. Feels kind of nice, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, feels kind of nice. I, I kind of miss this. President uh, is different. Everything is different right now. This is weird. <laughs> oh, my God. What a glorious four years these could be. Uh, Charles Oliveira, is, at this point, is 18 fights into his UFC career. 18 fights. That is a hell of a long career for most fighters. 18 fights in. Yeah. Here's where he stands. He is the definition of a middleman. He's a gatekeeper, right? Like, he's a mediocre 10 and 7 with a no contest in there. And he's a guy who's best known for missing weight. At that point, at this point, 10, 18 fights in, we know exactly what we're going to get with a Charles Oliveira fight. It's going to get, it's going to be fun. It's going to be probably chaotic. 50-50 chance this guy's going to miss weight and 50-50 chance this guy's going to lose. <laughs> yeah. And we were all cool with it. Like no one was really complaining, right? Because he, he kind of, that's what guys do in this sport. They carve out their own niches. And Charles Oliveira was sort of Eric Silva. Like he was sort of this grappling version of a Chris Lieben, right? Like he's one of these guys who was just always going to be around, we figured, and he even sort of had that fun wrinkle of somehow becoming, somehow, becoming the UFC's all-time submission leader by his late 20s. But it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to matter in the grand scheme. Like, how many times have we seen throughout history a fighter settle into this sort of mediocrity after that many fights, 18 fights in the UFC? At some point, you just kind of are who you are. But man, I'm, I'm still so impressed by this. We are now on year 10 of this man's UFC run, and here's his slate since he moved up to lightweight. Eight and one, including seven straight since he made the move. All eight of those wins stoppage. Has some of very legit wins over like guys like a Will Brooks or a Jim Miller. And now he goes out there on Saturday. And a decade into this, he submits Kevin Lee and becomes an actual title contender. After 10 years. A 10-year road to become a title contender. Chuck, I honestly can't <laughs> think of any comparisons really to a guy who has been yeah. around and been in our lives for so long in one place the entire time who has reinvented his career in this way. You know, it's funny because you're right. There aren't a lot. The The only guy that I could think of that had a similar feel would be Matt Brown. Matt Brown started off five and five and kind of had carved out like, you know, he was, he was a banger. He was going to go in there. It was, but it was, you know, he was, his chances of winning were as good as his chances of losing. It just, he wasn't among the elite, but then he rattles off seven straight fights where he finishes six of them. Uh, you know, early early rounds and stuff, including Derek Silva. It's funny that you mentioned him as the last one, which was a crazy fight, one of my favorites of that year, I think 2014. Amazing fight. Yeah. Like, he had that run, and it was like, that set up the Robbie Lawler, um, you know, the Robbie Lawler fight. And I just remember at the time thinking, like, man, this guy came out of nowhere. Like, he kind of lived up to his brand as the immortal one. You know, like, he was immortal. Like, he, you couldn't kill him. Now here, here he was surging back in. Um, the, you know, surging into contendership when he shouldn't be, all that type of thing. That's the only guy I can really think of that that has that kind of thing. And obviously, Matt kind of like he lost steam um, as he went on beyond that. But he had that moment. I feel like Oliveira, though, the big difference. And I don't know, like I, I feel like he's kind of outclassing some of these guys. Like, and yeah. I, and that's and that's the real thing. Like, it's like, he has definitely gotten better. It's not just that he's getting in. The, he's getting the right opponents, and he's just. Uh, catching them and stuff like that, um, or coming back and dig, digging deep and letting the guy wear himself out, things like that. He's dictating everything that's going on for the most part, you know? And uh, he just looks better and better, man. I, I thought that this one may be a difficult one because I, I just really believed Kevin Lee was uh, kind of making his making his moment, you know? 
Yeah. And yet he handled himself admirably. And if you did, if you don't like what uh, Oliver is doing at this point, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what else could convince you because to me, he just looks better and better, man. And that was just another one, man. I, I feel like he should be right up there and cont- like he should be right up there for for a title fight. But it's just so congested. But he should be. You're right, and it's wild because even after ten years, this man's only thirty years old. Like he still could conceivably be just now hitting the prime of his career, and it kind of feels like he is. He's this guy who used to be. He came into the UFC so young, so so young, and he was just a slick submission guy who who was going to catch you or you or you were going to finish him. And he has really evolved into an all around monster. His stand up is pretty legit at this point. He was catching Kevin Lee pretty consistently, and that's that jujitsu game has just become so sublime at this point. Um, oh, I think. Yeah. 10 years from now, we're going to be looking back on Charles Oliveira, or like people will look back on Charles Oliveira and wonder why we didn't appreciate him more in the moment and why he wasn't a bigger deal in the moment because the the, the kind of jujitsu he is bringing out to these contests is just otherworldly at this point. It's it's fun that he was on the same event as the guys like Damian Maia and Gilbert Burns because he sort of belongs in that class at this point. Are you a believer? Like if, if Charles Oliveira... Title contender at 155 pounds. It's taken a lot for us to be able to say this, but are you like an actual believer of this now? I mean, I I am, yeah. And I I would say I would admit that I still felt like okay, let's see if he can get by Kevin Lee. There was still doubt, you know what I mean? Like I just I wasn't sure he would be able to do the exact same things, just given uh, Lee's wrestling and um he, his his kind of underrated grappling and everything. But for him to get that done against Kevin Lee, man, I I'm definitely sold on him. I'm definitely sold on him. Uh. I, you know, it's just you want to at this point, you're like, where does he belong? Because we've talked about a little bit just how congested and obviously everything is up in the air now. We don't know what's going to happen and what's not. But um, well, at some point there will be this. Yeah. That we will get back to normal, right? Yes, we will. And it's like it's not poor timing for him because you take off three, four months, you know, usually minimum before you get back in there anyway. If you know, it's like he, he was kind of the last. He had a very nice platform in the sense that the sporting world has stopped except for the UFC and it was playing out on ESPN flagship, that probably helped his stock a little bit. I really feel like, you know, his new look and everything, I thought he comported it very well. It looks good, by the way. I yeah, kind of like the whole new look yeah. that he's going on. Yeah, he was, he, was, uh, he, was, he was set up really nice, man. And so you would like a, to I'm see gonna him. Just, if I could cut in really quickly, yeah. as a man who hasn't had hair and hasn't <laughs> had hair to work with since he was probably like 20 years old, Yeah, I really, I really am jealous of the ability to just be like, yeah, I'm going to dye my hair white with like you gotta a tinge of chest pink. hairs. Bleach your chest hairs, man. I don't really or have your beard. chest hair either. I'm just not a hairy guy. You're not a hairy guy. Nah, you're just slick, not a hairy man. Guy. No, he <laughs> looked good. <laughs> I'm a slick little otter. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he looked good, man, and I feel like he he deserves a top five guy. I just don't know. It's he's going to have to kind of wait for circumstance to uh, to dictate that, though. I feel like it's we'll have to wait and see, but. I am sold. Just going back to your original thing, I'm definitely, definitely sold on him. I'm totally sold. I've been all in on Charles Oliveira for a bit, but I've always sort of wondered, had that lingering question in my head of like, where's this guy's ceiling, right? Because it's just one of those things where when you see somebody lose so much, at yeah. some point, you just can't get that out of your head. And we yeah. have seen him. We've seen him lose like eight times in the UFC. I know what Charles Oliveira not showing up looks like. I've seen it enough. I don't yeah. at this point yeah. though I like I'm a total believer and I do wonder where his ceiling is in this division because he matches up well man you look at sort of the 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 range that he's in now I mean I would sort of put him in that I don't know would you agree that he's probably in that tier 3 version of the lightweights now where you got that Paul Felder Donald Cerrone range 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, if not, if not higher than that, but I mean, I, I for sure he's in that range. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I would, I'd, I'd put him above that. I think. Yeah, I, I think I would too. At this point, I think that I would favor him would, against the guys you just named. So would you? Okay, so let's actually talk this out. So you know, we've it's Khabib, Tony. That's tier one. Tier two yeah. is then the Connor, Gaethje, Dan Hooker range. Would you throw him in that? I think I would, man. Really? <laughs> Maybe to me, I, he's not there yet. But you I mean, I can't so? argue with so the you, the so seven you're not and zero. Fully sold on him. Like you're, you still got to see a little more. Well, because I didn't feel like Kevin Lee was there. So I don't think you get to that spot until you beat somebody in that spot. But I, it's totally fair to okay. you for someone else to throw him in there. Because, I mean, 7-0 and at lightweight is 7-0 and at lightweight still. True. But I, I think he deserves a chance to prove that he's in that tier. You know, like I think he deserves Agreed. a matchup Yeah, maybe that's where, yeah. That, but that the, the problem is he's not going to get a Conor McGregor matchup. You know, it's like no. Gaethje and Conor. You know, so the, the, again, the, the buildup at the top of that division is going to be the problem for him. But he has a he has a Tony Ferguson-like skill set. You know, it's like you put him in the, it, yeah. any of those matchups. Yeah. Good it call. could get really interesting. It's like Tony Ferguson light almost with because yeah. he has yeah. that same type of like a diet version of Tony Ferguson because he has that same body type where he's very spindly, but he can catch all these crazy submissions and he's just very unorthodox on the feet. It's really enjoyable. He, he's a victim of the, the old, you know, like doesn't have the the typical fight game charisma that kind of rises to the top either. You know what I mean? He doesn't have that that kind of personality that. Um, you want to see clash before a fight with another guy? Like that's his. Yeah. That's the only thing he's missing. To me, I say give him like a Donald Cerrone. Like that's really fun. Yeah. Or like I think, or like a Paul Felder. If Paul Felder wants to come back, that type of thing. I would like, rather let's see, just that see where one, he's actually. at. Yeah. Throw that rematch out. Let's talk about really quickly though on the other side of this, Kevin Lee, because more than anything, this fight to me and Saturday Night in general was another example in a long line of examples of just why we need to show more patience with these guys than we tend to do in the fight game in general, in boxing, MMA, anything. Because all of us, all three of us, we're guilty of it. Like, we have a show to do. We react in the moment. We try not to overreact, but sometimes you, you do. You kind of just write people off before maybe you should. Sure. And Charles Oliveira, from 2010 to 2013, he had a stretch where he won just two of seven fights. And then from 2015 to 2017, he, he had another stretch where he won just two of six. So he has mm. seen the lows of this sport. And now we have the same thing with Kevin Lee. He's won just two of six. He is riding and dying on one of those lows just right now. But the thing is, he's only 27. And Charles Oliveira was in one of these slumps when he was 27 years old. And I still saw all these people on Saturday writing off Kevin Lee and saying, well, I guess this is who he is now. It's almost like we learned nothing from the examples right in front of us. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like um, I'm not sure I'm writing off Kevin Lee. You know what I mean? Like I, I did that a little bit before he fought Gregor Gillespie in the in the uh, UFC 244. I didn't. I feel like I'm not going to do that again. I know that he's young and he's dynamic. And we mentioned before, like you know, he was at a new gym with Faraz and uh, like just going through the personal things he's gone through. I feel like he's still on the right course, man. I still feel like we're not, we haven't heard the last time. I still feel like at some point he's going to make that that movement towards uh, you know getting a title shot at some point. But uh, it's a rough patch, and the guys he you know he's losing. To, it's not like he's losing to, to slouches. I mean, losing to Tony Ferguson is losing to Tony Ferguson. It's you know losing yeah. to R, R, RDA. You know, I mean, like there's no shame in the, that type of thing. Ally Quinta. So, and now he's going against Charles Oliveira. Like, these are, these are very good fighters. If he loses to somebody in a middling spot, like if he's booked in that sense and he decides to fight within the next, whatever amount of time, I would worry then, but right now I'm not overly worried about him. 
No, I, yeah, you can't give up on a guy like that. He is so talented. And it seems like a lot of the issues with him are just mental. And he even said that uh, on Saturday night in a very, almost like emotional post-fight yeah. interview scrum that he, he sort of did with the reporters out there in Brasilia. Just admitting that, like, man, like, I'm choking myself. Like, I'm getting choked out in these fights where I'm almost putting myself in that division or in that situation. Yeah. He said that he, he said he, we might not see him for a few years. He seemed really heartbroken about this fight and the way it went, yeah. though. I mean, do you, do you believe him? Last thing on this, do you believe him? Or do you, did that sound like just emotion talking to you? I mean, he's a little bit different of a cat. Like, I feel like he... So, first of all, I, I think he does think differently of the fight game, but he's also a volatile guy. Like, I think he goes through a lot of emotions. He uses his emotions. So, I, I don't take that too seriously. I really would be surprised, honestly, man, if we get to three years down the line and he's not fighting. I'd be like, wow, he meant that? That's crazy. I wouldn't... You know, I just... I don't really believe that. First of all, his earning power is there. I still think he's got a name. You know what I mean? It's like uh, there, there are a lot of good incentives, and I think just ha- being around guys like Faraz and uh, and getting his things rolling, I, I feel like he'll come come around and uh, and want to race this one more than want to step away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I, that seemed to be emotion talking. Uh, you never know, though, man. I mean, he has been through a really rough stretch. We talked about it last Wednesday before the world changed about how yeah. you know all of the stuff that Kevin Lee has gone through, the death of Robert Fallis and having to come back from that, oh, and the true, wins man. and the losses. It's been a long road for him, man. Uh, obviously, we wish the best for him, and hopefully he can fly safely back to the United States with yeah. some level of a quickness so we can get back home to his family and his loved ones. In and he did have his moments time. in that fight, by the way. Like, he did have yeah. his moments. There was there was some good stuff he was doing in there. Like, he was landing the right hand. Um, it just seemed like he got a little bit too in love with uh, certain aspects, like the takedowns and stuff. Like, I wanted to see him on his feet. It seemed like he could have wandered on the feet, so... I feel like he's going to look at that tape and be like, ah, if I'd just done this and if I'd just done this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The grappling yeah. exchanges between him and, and Charles were really fun to watch. Oh, oh man, that was fun. I, I think part of it with Kevin Lee, like we're talking about with Charles Oliveira, it took Oliveira, I think, a, a while to figure out what his style really was. And now it seems like he... That's a great point. You know, he kind of understands what to do. He's, he's rattling off all these submissions, but yeah. he, he looks slick on his feet, so he can mix it up. It seems like Kevin Lee isn't really sure whether he wants to be a wrestler or a striker or whatever. So, he, you know, I think maybe that, if he's going to take some time, maybe he does take a year, say... And really think about you know what the what his style is as opposed to letting it be dictated in the fight. He has to be the one to kind of initiate that. But it takes time, you know. It's like obviously easier said than done. And you know he's a guy that's been in the top ten of that division for a long time already. So you know, yep. we'll see what he does. That's all it is. It's time. It's Charles Oliveira's time right now. Finally, after ten years, and Kevin Lee just needs more time. Um, last thing on UFC Brasilia, a lot else happened. It was, it, like we said, nine nine uh, decisions to start the card. Ties a record in the most clutch way possible when the whole entire world's watching. you got to love it. Uh, we can't get out of our own way in this sport. But you also <laughs> had a couple really Including inter- the Krylov-Walker one, which everybody's like, don't blink, man. This one's going to go about two rounds. Or, I mean, oh, two man. minutes. The curse of don't blink. The curse of don't blink. <laughs> Every time. This That's is Nganu all over again. Yeah. Nganu-Lewis all over again. But the last three fights, man. Hanada Moicano coming out there. And then Gilbert Burns and then Charles Oliveira back to back. All of those were really yeah. fun. What else stands out to you from from this card? Was it one of those Gilbert Burns or Hanato Moicano fights? Yeah, I mean both of those guys looked very good. And obviously Moicano, like it was so quick, it was like he was a buzzsaw in there. So I mean, you can't get any better than that. In fact, if anything, I, you're like you wanted to see him put into a little bit of deep water, but he just he didn't need to. 
It um, seemed Gilbert. like he also wanted to see himself get put into a little bit of deep water. If there was one thing we got out of having no fans there, I really enjoyed was seeing all these exchanges, like the the verbal exchanges that you normally wouldn't be able to hear. It was And fun. hearing him and, uh, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Hadzovic. I think that's right. Yes. Demir Hadzovic. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Got it. The itch. The, it's that itch with the, the thing bef- above yeah. the seat. Uh, <laughs> seeing him and, and Hadzovic have that exchange afterwards where Hadzovic, he was like, and my kind of was like, I'm sorry, man. I just I wanted to fight longer. And he's like, Well, you shouldn't have submitted me then. It's like, Yeah, that's, I know. That's hilarious. That's a great man. point. Yeah. Why just submit a great me? point. Oh, <laughs> uh, but the Gilbert Burns one, man. I mean, obviously, that fight was that was that's one of those fights that you look forward to because you, you realize that uh, one guy's maybe the best. You know, maybe the best jujitsu player going, and you know, especially in the division. And then you get a guy who is very very good as well and you're like okay this is going to play out in some crazy way and it did it played out in the craziest way with uh you know maya is uh, uh, basically getting him into a body lock you know and then and then uh gilbert burns escaping five hole on him that was just i mean that whole thing was just kind of like a great a great scramble you know and then to get the knockout like that it was just uh for two and a half minute fight it felt like uh we got a full like a uh, night's worth of entertainment just from that one fight Really unfortunate to see Damon Maya knocked out in yeah, that way. That's true. I have to say that was sad to watch. But you know that that's the risk. Like he's at yeah, that, spot, and that's what right? he. That's the way he would want it to. Like obviously yeah. he doesn't want to lose, but he, that's. I, I don't he was hugging. Him, yeah, I know a few reporters who were unhappy about it in Brazil afterwards, and like distraught about it because he's such a beloved figure out there, and he's yeah. out there hugging other people, saying, "No, no, it's okay. It's going to yeah, be okay." I know. He's such a so good he, guy, man. He's all class. He's all class, man. Uh. The, 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 those two fights, I really enjoyed the Moncano and Burns fights. I think both of those guys have legit potential to be major players in their new divisions now. True. And this is just this just goes back to showing what we always talk about, man. Like moving up a weight, move up in weight and be to- closer to your natural weight class. It seems to be working out pretty consistently for like it a does. lot of people. These guys can work on their skills. You know, that's really what it is. It's like you might be giving up a little height, a little reach, a little weight, but you don't have to spend your entire camp losing weight you can spend your camp you know game planning and working on your skills and that that really obviously pays off yeah well that was ufc brasilia might be the last fights we see in a long while maybe it won't we'll see we're gonna take a quick break and then on the other side we're gonna talk about sort of what the rest what the future of this mma community looks like and what our mma world's gonna look like over these next couple weeks and try to make some sense of it all right gentlemen we are back and now let's talk about this new reality we face because we already saw it play out this past week. We On Wednesday, when we were doing our preview show for Bellator 241 and UFC Brasilia, we're talking about both card, we're, cards. We're talking about Patricio Pitbull and all of this stuff that we're going to see. We didn't end up seeing any of that. The, the juxtaposition between the two biggest fight promotions in the world in MMA and their responses to the coronavirus outbreak were very stark by the time we reached Saturday. Bellator cancels... All of Bellator 241 pays all the staff, the fighters, everything, the full, their full pay. In the meantime, the UFC bulldozes forward and continues to hold events and seems to continue to want to do that. Just seeing how this played out between Bellator and the UFC, were you guys surprised? Uh, I mean, I was not surprised to see Bellator finally cancel, even though they waited up until basically the 11th hour, right? It was on the day of the event that they canceled on Friday. Yeah, 
It was. It was. Is that correct? I think. Was it the day? Yeah. No. It was. I think so. The day yeah, of. No, it, it was, was the day, day of. of. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, ultimately, it's the right call. And it was funny because I kind of, uh, you know, I was texting back and forth with the with Bellator, basically asking like, "Hey, uh, is would it be okay if one media member kind of sneaks in there and watches? You know what I mean? Because you're kind of like, oh, that would have be- been such a good piece. That would yeah. have been such a good piece. I even I even offered to wear a mustache to avoid detection, but uh, they said no. <laughs> They're like, lo- they're like lose the hat buddy uh, <laughs> yeah yeah avoid detection take off the hat i uh i want i was I, I really was interested though ultimately just to see how that would play out you know um but obviously that's the right call i think that you know man like it's just it's out of step and it's out of like you know your personal sense of duty and responsibility to carry on um when basically any larger, like a such a large scale thing is going on that affects everybody, and I hate being preachy, just like you, man. But I'm like, you, you just there's a point in time where it seems tone deaf to do something. Yeah, this else. isn't I, preachy anymore. You know, it's not. And but I, you know what I mean. Like it's just you, know, totally, you want yeah. everybody to do what's right. And I, I feel like right now the Bellator, you know, it made sense. I felt like they were applauded, right? And especially for paying everybody, and it just opened up questions about. What is the UFC thinking through all of this? And is it even possible for them to continue on? I feel like it's so out of lockstep with everything else going around it that it's like it adds to the surreality of the the situation. It just adds that element of like, man, you know, what is going on? How can you continue on to do these events even, even in that situation only because of the travel and everything else plus the shutting downs of whole cities and states and everything else? It just seems like it's completely out of lockstep with what's going on. So it seems like it's out of reality. Very weird. The one thing that I kept seeing repeated to me on social media and parroted over and over was people being like, well, the fighters want to do this. The fighters want to, to the fighters aren't <laughs> yeah, worried about their too. safety. And I even saw other fighters tweeting that out about like, you know, I'm not worried about myself. I want to do this. Even Colby Covington really- today was like basically on Ariel Hawani's show saying like, you know, I'm a young man who's fit. Uh, and basically presenting himself as like uh, he can deal with it, no problem. This is a hero that America needs, type of thing. Just so crazy. But all of that is such bullshit. It, it, it's just such selfish bullshit because that's not the point. I know. Like that's the, that's I'll the probably be fine. You'll probably be fine. You out there will probably be fine to some degree. The fighters will probably be fine. That's not the point. The point is, if one of these fighters travels to this event and gets sick, cat comes in contact with someone who is sick. And then brings it back home, and then their mother or their grandmother mm-hmm. or their grandfather or someone more susceptible ends up catching it. That's the point. Right. You're trying to not pass it on. You're trying to cut the chain. You're not. You're trying to flatten the curve, as we uh, as we have learned over the last few days. Yes, it seems so selfish to just have that kind of worldview of well, these guys are going to be okay, so they should do it for my enjoyment. That's not the point, guys. That's not the point. It's insane to me that we're seeing this parroted so often. True. But again, why are these guys in fighting to begin with? It's because they don't want team sports, right? Like they like to be the center of their own failings and their own successes. And I think that they, you know, they like to have the literal transaction of them against whatever. It's just, I think that sometimes they get locked in that kind of, um, you know, that kind of idea and they don't think about what you're saying you know what i mean like they just think about just the very specific and if you want to call it selfish way of being because that's how prize fighting works um but i completely agree with you and this is where it really comes down like uh to the ufc's larger responsibility to shut that down 
You know what I mean? To not even give him that platform to be talking about it. That's where if the UFC is in lockstep with the rest of humanity on this, they basically shut it down at this point. <laughs> when you say the rest of humanity, it sounds so insane, but it's not even hyperbole. <laughs> the, the, the thing, too, about it is because you see, I saw a ton of this. Of fighters just tweeting out, thank you to the UFC. Thank you, Dana White, for letting us fight. Do you think, really, that these fighters actually want to be dealing with this? If, if the UFC right now sent an email to everybody scheduled on all of these events and said, hey, we're going to just pay you full show and win. Mm-hmm. Don't even bother traveling. Stop oh, man. doing everything you're doing. Stay where, stay where you're at. It's kind of self-quarantine for a little bit as we all figure this out as a country. If you think, Do you think if they sent that email out that a single soul would be disappointed? Hell no. Well, I, th- I, think, I think Cowboy Cerrone, but otherwise not. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, that's the point, right? Like They don't want to fight. They want to get paid because they, otherwise they're not going to get paid. And otherwise true. they lost a lot of money just invested in their camps and all the diets and everything that they're dealing with to trying to spend money to eventually make money. They just yes. want to get paid. They don't want to fight. They just want to get paid. You ask all the Bellator fighters, I'm sure they were upset they didn't end up fighting, but they understand it and they're happy to have still been able to get a paycheck from it. That's the whole point. They just want to get it paid. Is. It's so true, man. I mean, the bottom line is if you shut down the NBA season or whatever it is, these guys are secure. You know what I mean? Like the the work they put into it, they've already they're paid. The work that these guys are putting into it, and for an abrupt change, and we're just talking about this all basically crashing down in five days. Um, even if we saw it coming to an extent, but five days to change the landscape so drastically, they were planning on getting that payday. They've been you know blood, sweat, and tears to get to this moment. And so if you're just telling them like, no, it's they, it's got to, ha- or we're gonna we're gonna whatever it's going to be, you got to you know shift everything. They're going to want to maintain it because they want that money, right? Like the, the dangling They've rationed out there. their life and their finances with that's the idea I mean. that they're going to get paid on this day. So the, that's where it's like it gets very, very, uh, you know, the responsibility would fall. Basically, just like with Bellator, how they handled it, I think it falls to the UFC then. If they, if indeed they get to the point where they're going to cancel, that's really the way you have to, like that would be the way that you would like them to handle it, right? You'd say like you're still taken care of. Um, I don't know if that'll happen, but that's the way you'd like it to work out. Well, who knows where it's, how it's going to happen? Because I, I feel like at this point, every hour is a new day. Like by the time this show comes out, we're taping this on Monday morning. By the time the show comes True. out, we might be outdated on a lot of different things. Because as of right now, the UFC is insisting upon going forward. It's maybe the most UFC thing I've ever seen. Um, but they're insisting on going forward with whatever whatever Frankenstein version of UFC <laughs> yeah. London is going to be available. Leon Edwards is out. Um, you had a ton <laughs> of fighters, people like Crazy. Ashley Evan Smith, uh, Tyron Woodley, who flew over to London in the middle of a global pandemic without any testing available to them to see if they're carriers of this virus, and then have to immediately fly back as soon as they land because all of it shut down Ooh. and the whole UK yeah. was shutting down. Um, you have Dana White... Go on SportsCenter, and this is what you were alluding to earlier in the show, Chuck. If Dana White go on SportsCenter and, and not only, like, I don't know that I have words strong enough for this, but, like, not only give big middle fingers to the rest of the sports world and yeah. strictly to the coronavirus, to this, this this whole pandemic, but just really, like, double and triple and quadruple down saying the only thing that's going to stop us is a complete government shutdown where everybody's confined to their homes Ben, ben Folks, our colleague over the, at The Athletic, wrote a, a great piece, and I think the title was, Has the UFC Lost Its Damn Mind? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why the fuck do you think this is still happening? Dude, I mean, I, I really wish I knew. To be honest, man, I'm like, 
I've had people ask me too, and and there's a couple of people like there have been a couple of people who are like good for the UFC to keep forging ahead. I've had that too, but I've had mostly people. Although it yeah. is becoming less and less so as people seem to realize the True. seriousness that we're dealing with. Yeah, I mean the magnitude of what's happening is it can't help but basically reach you even in your seclusion, right? Even if you're social distancing, it, it finds you in your home because there's so much going on at once, and it's it's just the magnitude of this this uh, this virus is. You know, it's global and it's it's real. I feel like that's the one thing that is not connecting with everybody yet. But the fact that Dana, you know, it's just a bizarre it's a bizarre thing because I think in that Ben Folks piece you mentioned, he talks about how the initial uh UFC kind of like mission statement was to race towards commission, you know, to race <laughs> towards sanction, and now they're kind yeah. of racing the other way. And I felt like that that was like telling because what do you what are we trying to do become the taboo thing it's like weird i'm like it's it's kind of against everything that they did to to make it as big as it is at this point to get it to this point it's kind of going against that now and it's very strange the way that this has played out and how we've sort of outlasted now every other sport in the world which is still such an insane sentence to say out loud but we really have we are the last surviving race right now in terms of sports <laughs> I think it's emboldened the MMA community to some degree of the people who are on that side of the fence who are saying, you know, I'm happy that this is where the UFC is going to continue to go on. Good for Dana White, all of that. Yeah. It seems to have really emboldened them that they're right. And I, normally I don't like to tell people that they're right or they're wrong. But th- mm. at this in this case, it does seem very socially irresponsible to continue on in this type of situation where, again, fighters are not being tested they're going to they're traveling they're doing all this sort of thing where they could be spreading this out to other places what does this say about us do you think as a community that there's a pretty vocal amount of people who seem to be really on board with this and <laughs> like what the UFC is doing it's not surprising man i mean we've been dealing i don't know how long you've been writing about this but i've i've been at it for at least what 13 14 years and it's like i've i feel like the evolution of the fan is slight you know what I mean? Like there, it's it's very subtle. Like I feel like a lot of people still kind of see it. Um, it attracts a certain kind of simplicity. Let's put it that way, man. I don't want to get too far into it. And I'm I'm not talking about you specifically, uh, fan who's listening to this right now. But I am talking no, about the general, <laughs> the general broad, the broader base. I mean, I feel like the I vocal hear, the vocal minority yeah. who very much like to make themselves known. And I, I feel like that's been in place the whole way, right? I mean, th- that type of response—it's kind of expected from an MMA demographic, or at least that—that that, uh, that portion of it. So, it's it—it's just kind of one of those things, man. <laughs> I'm not surprised by it, and I'm—I'm I'm a little surprised actually that the UFC is not falling under bigger scrutiny from bigger media, like the outside media, for doing this. I have not read a ton of pieces, basically. Um, question the UFC. In fact, most people who talk about it are like, all sports are shut down. Like They're not even treating the UFC as a sport, which also tells you you have a long way to go in terms of the perception of sports, right? Um, I think also just the wider world is still trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Like that's how, true. How to actually talk about this. Yeah, I, but I, yes, as of right now, I really haven't read anything that's just basically like from, you know, some outside big entity of in the media that's taken the UFC to task for this. The big backfire could be is, uh, you know, it's just like with the Rudy Gobert thing. Watch one of these people come down with it or try, that's I, mean, I know they're takes. not testing, but as that's soon as something like takes. that happens big, right, it's going to it's going to backfire. I think I think one of the di- you're absolutely right about that, Chuck. That's right. I mean, as soon as one of the fighters tests positive. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is a, that is a game changer then. Um, 
And you also have already gyms just closing left and right. Longo Weidman closed, like a bunch of yeah. gyms. Vortis MMA is closed. Like a lot of gyms seem to be closing at this point. Um, I was going to say, though, the, the, the point about how, you know, the UFC almost isn't looked as a, looked at as a sport versus, you know, the NBA, the NHL, they, they shut down and, um, you know, people aren't annoyed about that. The, the, I mean, they're upset that they don't get to watch the games, but of course it makes sense. The, the, maybe the potential difference though, is that out of an 82 game schedule or, or whatever, you know, your sport is, is, is playing. All right. You miss 15 games. You get back at it. It's, it's not the yeah. biggest deal in the world with MMA. There's such, and we've talked about it a thousand times. The Khabib Tony fight has uh, never had, you know, it's never happened. Everybody wants to see it. And there's such an onus on the fighters coming together at a particular moment at the right time to make that thing happen. Yes. And I think that that, kind of plays into it rightly or wrongly i think that that um, honestly you know that one fight that you're talking that, about yes. is probably the whole reason that some people are like hanging on like oh yeah they just got to keep playing it through i feel like 100 percent, 100 percent. if that fight doesn't exist i feel like there'd probably be a bigger outcry for them to stop at this point so let's talk about khabib tony for a second because we've talked about this a couple times over the last couple weeks and i think we've all been pretty consistent that like this fucking coronavirus better not ruin khabib tony if you look right now on Wikipedia of the list of upcoming UFC events, it's a bizarre just site to look at because it's four events within the next you know five weeks, all of whom under venue and location have TBA. <laughs> Nobody knows anything about any of this. It seems like UFC London so might insane. end up being UFC Alabama on like an Indian reservation or something if they can find anywhere that's going to hold this. Nobody knows what the next few months are going to look like. Is the UFC just hell-bent on doing Khabib Tony no matter what? I feel like they're hell-bent on it. Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, all indications are that um, things are shutting down at such a rapid rate. I, I'd i be surprised, honestly, if, they're, if they can figure that out. I don't know how that would work. And again, man, we're speculating because we don't know the extent of how long this might go. I know some it's people just take April eighteenth is so long so from now at this point, and it's like it, it, you don't. It's like it's it's a crazy thing, man. I I, I feel like the way things change and how uh, you know we're on the movement of something that's completely at its own pace. It's just it's impossible to know. But I feel like yes, they are hell bent on, and maybe that's why they're digging their heels in in terms of the UFC. But at the same time, man, I I think you might have said this before we started taping that. There's a there was a point when you're like man you know a meteor would have to like destroy the earth if you know if, if they're not going to do that fight at this point but I, I feel like the right call just like you were saying right like that the right call is probably not to go through with it at this point as sad it is to say I think yeah I think I've reached this point you guys know how much I've loved this fight how much I've wanted this fight for five years at this point it almost we feels were secondary to it for months. dude it almost feels secondary now like <laughs> it really almost does. <sighs> it's 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 a i mean i was just gonna say the the most obvious sense of that it's a really weird situation but obviously it's a really weird situation yeah. it, 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 I, I was thinking about it because part of the problem for the ufc they, they were planning on moving everything to the ufc apex their you know their kind of home campus and they were going to put the fights on there like they would for the contender series um which made sense maybe you know a few days ago but now obviously that things are shutting down and People are trying to, you know, quarantine to stop the spread. That even that doesn't make sense. But, but the fact that the Nevada um, State Athletic Commission is meeting on the twenty fifth to kind of discuss the future of that. Do we think it's almost 
more responsible. If the UFC is going to keep trying to do this until literally there's a shutdown and they cannot go anywhere else, is it irresponsible or still responsible on the part of the Nevada State Athletic Commission to maybe just say, yeah, you can do it at the the apex. We will sanction those fights, but maybe you have to trim down the cards, do four fights, oh, whatever. There, like, there's a zero percent chance yeah. that happens. Right? No, I know, but I'm, but is it irresponsible to not do that? Well, that meeting on the 25th is basically a formality. Like right. it it seems as though, from what I've told been told, is that it's already decided. Like nothing's happening mm-hmm. in Las Vegas for at least till the end of the month. People keep joking about this, uh, you know, a barge off the, you know, international waters and things like this. <laughs> but honestly, man, where I don't even understand. I, I'm trying to grasp where they could possibly be doing this. You really read that, uh, you know, Alabama or someplace like? Is that really what they're looking at? To it do seems these- like that's kind of the options that they've been presented with is just like that's Indian crazy. reservations or, like I said, Alabama or just somewhere that where maybe it's a little more lax. See, because I was mentioning the race towards regulation, that old, uh, the you know, the the kind of Zufa era idea, and that's kind of like racing back to the Dark Ages in a weird way. It's just the most bizarre setup. Um, I'd be shocked, though. I mean, honestly, man, I'd be shocked if even someplace like that or, some, you know, I, I, I just, I, I can't imagine that they're going to do that. Let's be honest. This whole coronavirus was created and discovered because Khabib Tony was on the schedule and it existed. That's the reason all of this yeah. is happening. That is that is the, where all of this started was because we were all too excited for the stupid fight that we seemingly will never get. The stank on this fight is oh so bad God. that I believe it. I really believe that, <laughs> dude. It's like it's like this this thing is so cursed. You know what I mean? I mean we oh we joke God. about it and we joke about it, but this is like it, it just keeps escalating. In fact, they shouldn't make it again because if they What's do, the I'm afraid for I'm afraid the- for us. <laughs> Is the next time World War Three? Like, <laughs> it's escalating every time. I every know. time this gets canceled, it's for a more ridiculous reason. It's yeah, crazy, it sounds. Man. It's. I just want you like you wonder what you know. It's like what is the universe trying to tell us about that fight? Like, what was going to happen in that fight? You know, like it, it know. makes you think that way because it's so crazy. I mean, there's no other uh, event like this. This yeah. this coronavirus thing could have hit at any time, and it hit <laughs> to erase that fight. You know, it just doesn't make exactly. any sense. Oh my god! I said I joked at the at the top of the show that you could make a ten episode Netflix series on on sort of the three day period between last Wednesday and last Friday, dude. You could make a fifteen part episode Netflix series on on Habib Tony and just all the ridiculous ups and downs we've had with this one. I think this fight has taken like a year off my life, and it hasn't even happened. I know, man. I know what you're saying. I feel your pain, and in fact. We've we've exhausted the jokes at this point. You know what I mean? Because we have went through four versions of this, and now you're on the fifth, and it feels like it's against all odds to happen. Maybe ever at this point, like, it, but it feels like it's against all odds to actually, you know, come off the way it's supposed to. It's just, it's the. I mean, I'm speechless actually. Yeah. That we could go this far into it without getting this fight. It's a weird time, man. It's a weird time. All of us are still processing it and trying to figure out what our new normal is. Um, if, we've, if we're if we kind of going in circles right now, we apologize for that. As we said, we're all sort of figuring this out on the fly. Last two things, and then we'll get out of here. How long do you, Chuck, if you were to just put an over-under on this, because we love over-unders man. on this game. How long do you, or over-under on this show, I should say. How long do you think this is going to go? Would you say, if I gave you June 1st as the next like legitimate normal live fight that we will have in MMA. Would you go over mm. that or you go under that? I'd go Sooner over or earlier. It. I would go over it at this point. Um, 
So over meaning later than June 1st. Yeah, I think it would be later than June 1st. And I'm just kind of like, this is just obviously you're reading the tea leaves of, of the way things are working and the accelerated rate that things are kind of happening. The problem, I mean, you know, the, the trouble is you don't really know what it means in two weeks. Like, does it start to, you know what I mean? Like, do we start to correct? I don't know. But I would say as of right now, it feels like it's going to go beyond that. They're, they're talking a lot of these, you know, you, you see the NBA, uh, the owners and executives basically projecting optimistically that they'll resume play in mid-June, mid to late yeah. June, which is usually when the finals are going on. It's just like you hear things like that, and it makes you think like we're, we, we might be a long ways off from seeing anything. Man, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I think we're at it. I mean, I, I tend to agree that I think it's going to be a little bit. I think June is probably a realistic starting point. I think it's going to go past June 1st though. Um, I think right now it kind of, it kind of depends on the next like two weeks because it, yeah. it seems like this is the tipping point period for this thing. And if people can actually stay home and do the right stuff and not spread it, um, which seems difficult, man. If you saw yeah. videos this weekend, a lot of people going to a lot of bars and restaurants and whatever. Yeah, that cr- crazy. How about that post Malone show in my, in my hometown of Denver? That was crazy, man. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. Sold out Pepsi. I was like, what the hell? Right, that's, oh. that's, it's, <laughs> that feels, I mean, that feels more irresponsible than the UFC even putting it fights does, on. You know what I mean, that's like 30 people in the arena. The, yeah. you, a Post Malone show, you're, you're filling it. I just, uh, I don't understand how somebody could look at a country like Italy right now and sort of what they're dealing with and how hard this has hit them and not take it seriously. Yeah. Um, so, on Chris, a positive you think, note, man, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, Looks like Hopkins is going to Arizona. Congratulations. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins for uh, the corpse of David Johnson. I'll take it I all know. day. What a, they fleeced him. That was a good. That, that was great, man. That brightened my mood. Um, so, Chris, wrapping back around to this, you think later than June 1st or June 1st optimistically? That's where yeah, you're at. Yeah, June 1st optimistically, but I, I would say probably sometime in the middle of June, I would think. Yeah, I think optimistically that's kind of where I'm at as well. It just it feels like the worst is yet to come. If you listen to every single expert who has talked about this, it seems like we're about to, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I agree. It seems like these next two weeks are really key and how we as a country deal with this. So everyone out there, stay safe. Um, everyone out there, please practice social distancing. Just do it for a couple of weeks. It's not the biggest deal to just do it. Chill in your house, play some video games, smoke some weed if you need to, just do something and hang out. Um, last thing. This is more for you guys, not you guys out there listening to us. And I mentioned this at the top of the show, but Chuck, Chris, me, let us know. What what would you like to see on this show? Because we are going to have a lot of time to kill over these next few months. And this is your show just as much as it is our show. So you guys out there, let us know. Chuck and Chris, you guys have great ideas, but we, we yeah. there's a limit to our great ideas, right? We, we need some participation with this. Yeah. Oh, very, yeah, very for sure. noticeable limit. <laughs> yeah, you're going to know us really quickly, so please tell us what to do. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Weird times, guys. Weird times. Yeah. We'll, uh, well we're going to be here with you guys throughout the ride, all throughout it. We're all in this together, as I said. Uh, so you, the man of the myth audience, we love you guys. Hope you guys out there staying safe. That's been today's episode. Uh, we're going to be back again on Wednesday. Maybe we'll be talking about UFC London, Alabama, Frankenstein Corpse. Um Maybe we won't. I have no idea <laughs> at this point. I genuinely have no idea. But we're going to try to figure it out just as well as you're going to try to figure it out. And as I said, we're all in this together. So this has been Monday's episode of The Man of the Myth. That man is Chuck Mendenhall. For producer Chris, I am Sean O'Shotty. Please go rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It does help us out. And we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Peace.
Stay safe out there.